This is the World in Brief from the Economist. Our top stories. Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, postponed his planned trip to China after the Pentagon detected a Chinese spy balloon flying over Montana. Mr. Blinken was due to land in China on Sunday and was expected to meet with President Xi Jinping. China denied that the object was a spy balloon, claiming it was used for, quote, meteorological purposes and had been blown off course. American employers added 517,000 jobs in January, an unexpectedly large increase in an already tight labor market and a sign that a recession is not quite close at hand. The unemployment rate fell by 0.1 percentage points to 3.4%, a 53-year low. To policymakers' relief, wage growth slowed, with average hourly earnings rising by 0.3% from December. Stock markets dipped on the news as investors expect the Federal Reserve to keep raising interest rates. Shares in Alphabet, Apple, and Amazon all slid after the tech giants reported weak results for the last quarter of 2022. Poor iPhone sales caused Apple's quarterly revenues to fall by 5.5% year-on-year, the first decline in more than three years. Alphabet said quarterly revenues grew by just 1% to $76 billion, undershooting expectations as digital advertisers tightened their belts. Amazon reported that net income was just $278 million, down by 98%. Meta also reported a 4.5% decline in sales, but an optimistic revenue forecast caused its shares to soar. Ursula von der Leyen, president of the European Commission, arrived in Kyiv for meetings with Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, about his country's EU accession bid. European officials will also discuss imposing new sanctions on Russia. Meanwhile, on a visit to Volgograd, formerly Stalingrad, scene of a desperate Russian victory against the Nazis 80 years ago, Vladimir Putin promised to again repel German tanks in Ukraine. The Chinese government announced that all border restrictions between mainland China and Hong Kong will be removed from Monday. Travel between the two had been restricted severely for years in an attempt to keep COVID-19 at bay. Mainlanders had previously made up nearly 80% of Hong Kong's tourists. The recession-hit territory also announced plans to give away 500,000 flights to kickstart its recovery. Pope Francis addressed bishops in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where about half the population is Catholic, on the last day of his visit to the country. On Wednesday, Pope Francis celebrated Mass in Kinshasa, the capital, with about a million attendees. His next stop is war-ravaged South Sudan, where it is hoped that the pontiff can encourage peace negotiations. Bobby from Portugal claimed the title of the world's oldest dog after reaching the venerable age of 30, according to Guinness World Records. His breed, a purebred Jafero do Antejo, usually lives for around 12 to 14 years. Bobby's long life was very nearly cut short. His owners intended to put him down as a puppy, but he escaped. And word of the week. Teledildonics, the term in pornography for virtual sex encounters using remotely controlled toys. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Tensions between America and China balloon.
Antony Blinken, America's top diplomat, was scheduled to arrive in Beijing on Sunday. The visit, the first by a Secretary of State since 2018, seemed like proof that the country's fractious relationship was improving. But now it will not happen. On Friday, Mr. Blinken postponed his trip after a Chinese high altitude balloon was spotted flying over America. The Pentagon claimed it was a surveillance balloon, though it downplayed its potential value for gathering intelligence. China said it was a, quote, civilian airship used mainly for meteorological research. It expressed regret about the balloon's, quote, unintended entry into American airspace. Officials in Washington are disinclined to give China the benefit of the doubt. No politician wants to appear soft towards the country. That limits the Biden administration's room for maneuver. Mr. Blinken may still hope to visit Beijing at some point. One could argue, though, that now is precisely the time when talks are needed. Pope Francis prays for peace in South Sudan. In 2019, months after striking a power sharing agreement, Salva Kiir and Reich Machar, the president and one of the vice presidents of South Sudan respectively, visited the Vatican. Pope Francis famously kissed their feet, imploring the foes to maintain their fragile peace. The two men, who come from rival tribes, had watched their young country descend into a civil war in 2013. In less than five years, the conflict was estimated to have left nearly 400,000 people dead and 4 million displaced. On Friday, Francis arrived in Juba, the capital of South Sudan, a predominantly Christian country, with the same message. Joining him are Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, and Lane Greenshields of the Church of Scotland. But their prayers for peace will probably fall on deaf ears. Between August and December, 166 civilians were killed as violence rose in South Sudan's Upper Nile State in the north. And on the eve of Francis' arrival, 27 were killed in the south of the country. The Sign in Sidney Brustein's Window At 25, Lorraine Hansberry, a black lesbian communist playwright, longed for fame. But she couldn't have predicted how soon it would come. She was 28 when A Raisin in the Sun, about a black family seeking a piece of the American dream, opened on Broadway in 1959. It marked the first time a black woman playwright had reached the Great White Way. More than 60 years on, Raisin remains in heavy rotation. But another of Hansberry's plays, The Sign in Sidney Brustein's Window, has hardly been staged since it closed on Broadway in 1965, the year she died of cancer, aged 34. The Brooklyn Academy of Music's rare revival, starring Rachel Brosnahan and Oscar Isaac, opens in previews on Saturday. James Baldwin once raved of the play about a group of friends in Greenwich Village straining to reconcile their ideals with reality that, quote, it is about nothing less than our responsibility to ourselves and each other. Europe's Rugby World Cup Warm Up This year's Six Nations Tournament starts on Saturday. The competition, which pits the top European men's rugby teams against one another, will also be keenly watched on the other side of the world. Ahead of a World Cup this autumn, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa are eyeing the Northern Hemisphere competition. Those Southern Hemisphere powerhouses have won all but one of the previous World Cups, but France will look forward to home advantage. 
Le Bleu have been in formidable form recently, with a powerful pack and a scrum half Antoine Dupont, who was voted World Rugby Player of the Year in 2021. It would then be a brave fan who bet against France in the Six Nations. But Ireland, who topped the world rankings ahead of France and New Zealand, will be favorites. In Josh Vanderfleer, a flanker, they possessed the player of 2022. Of all the northern teams, it is these two that will make southern boots quake come autumn. Weekend Profile Max Martin, Pop Hitmaker Britney Spears brought the sex appeal, plaintive vocals, and teen longing. Max Martin supplied the rest. In 1998, their track, Baby One More Time, ruled the radio. Any allusions to domestic violence or sadomasochistic sex in the chorus, Hit Me Baby One More Time, were supposedly unintentional. Mr. Martin, the song's Swedish writer and producer, says he understood, quote, hit me to mean, quote, call me. The Earworm was the first of Mr. Martin's 25 number one singles on the Billboard Hot 100, a chart of America's most popular songs. Only Paul McCartney and John Lennon rank higher as songwriters. His collaborators include pop heavyweights from Celine Dion to Taylor Swift. On Sunday, at the Grammy Awards, the 51-year-old has three separate nominations for Album of the Year, for his production work on Adele's 30, Lizzo's Special, and Coldplay's Music of the Spheres. Unlike the Beatles' frontmen, Mr. Martin has shunned the mic since his early days as a heavy metal rocker in Sweden. Then he was known as Carl Martin Sandberg, but Dennis Pop, the producer who steered his turn towards songwriting, insisted that he rechristen himself. Quote, Martin Sandberg wasn't exactly a disco name, so you couldn't really talk to him, Mr. Pop later recalled. Mr. Martin is a proponent of a technique he calls, quote, melodic math, the principle that every element should serve the record and its melody. Words are chosen for their sound as much as their meaning. Take baby one more time. The percussive bees of baby make it a more common endearment in pop songs than, say, darling. In 2019, in a rare interview with The Guardian, he explained the importance of phonetics and how melodic math came about as a result of not speaking English as a child. He would listen to ABBA, Elton John, and The Beatles without registering what the songs were about. Quote, I felt something hearing this music and it meant something to me, he said. Quote, if you can have a great lyric that also phonetically sounds amazing, then you're golden. But it's also kind of cool if you write a song and people are emotionally moved without understanding what's being said. All these years on, Mr. Martin's knack for meaningful nonsense shows no sign of diminishing. The winners of this week's quiz. Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random were John McMorris, Davis, California, America. Ginez Sanchez, Panama City, Panama. Wendy King, Sydney, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Gimlet, Manhattan Project, Cosmopolitan, Sidecar, and Zombies. The theme is cocktails. And visit the Espresso app for our new weekend crossword, designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Dan Quayle, who was born on this day in 1947. I believe we are on an irreversible trend towards more freedom and democracy, but that could change. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. 
You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.